0: Well, Father, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to fall on us, God. I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive the word of the Lord. God, I pray that it would come like an arrow and go deep within our hearts and deep within our spirit and begin to resonate within us and become part of of who you've called us to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm doing this series on religionless Christianity, which always kind of piques everyone's interest because they're like, uh, what? What is that? And, um, and so the truth of the gospel is that Jesus didn't die on the cross to start a religion. Jesus died on the cross because he wanted to bring his kids back home to his dad. Because he, he, he wanted to create a new race of people in the earth. That as I look out at you, I see a sea of and a host of Jesus's wrapped up in the most glorious bodies. And we are the body of Christ. And He does live within us. And so that's the truth of the gospel. And and so we've gotten kind of caught up in the exercise and, and we've and as I was speaking last week. M- you know and preaching on on the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life what's happened to us is we've gotten kind of caught up in the even though we have access to the tree of life we're still eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and 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 as the lord has shown me this these two trees are going to grow up in the end of the age and one will be proud and the other will be meek. And um, I think we're beginning to see a lot of that if we turn on our TVs, uh, people who are choosing um, sides. Even the church, it's become like a doctrine of right and wrong. And we've so landed there that, that the, the world around us is exploding with evil. And so, again, like I said last week, as a businesswoman, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, this business model of the church isn't working. I mean, you know, if you look at it with a critical eye and just say, well, are we getting the results that Jesus got? Are we, are we operating in the model that he gave us to operate in? Or are we outside of the realm that he and the boundaries that he set for us that Eve crossed over in the garden? Because that's what she did. She crossed past the boundaries that were set for her and for Adam. Because God said, <clears throat> Don't eat that tree, don't eat of that tree. You can have everything else. And so he told her two things in the garden. Number one, I'm going to give you provision. I'm going to give you everything, everything you see I've created for you. Now, there's one thing that you can't do. So he gave her provision with everything she could do. And then he said, there's one thing you can't do. I'm going to give you a prohibition. I'm going I'm to prohibit you from eating of that one tree, right? You see, it really all started with a tree. And then it all ended with a tree, didn't it? And see, I believe that the tree that Jesus was hung on was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because what got him on that tree was that the people of the land judged him and they took within themselves the authority to judge him according to their own thinking. And even though they may have been inspired by sin, evil, uh, uh, envy, hatred, jealousy, and all of that—they still said, "We're going to judge whether you're right or you're wrong, or whether you're good or you're evil." And we, we, we killed the Son of God because our judgment was wrong. And beloved, I'm telling you, we kill so many things in our own lives because our judgment is wrong. We're judging according to the flesh and not according to the Spirit. Amen. So the word in Job and in, in chapter 14 says, for there is a hope for a tree. If it is cut down, that it will sprout again and that the tender shoots will not cease. And I really believe that we're about to see where the tree of life, Jesus, was cut down. He is about to spring forth a new in this generation, and we're going to see a people that refuse to engage with the opinion of man and the opinion of the hour, and and they begin to engage with heaven and say, God, what's your opinion and perspective and thoughts on every single scenario and situation? So I want to talk to you this morning about um, uh, judgment, and I want to talk to you this morning about judging God. Because that's really where it all started with Eve. What she did is she took upon herself, she got the the serpent, which by the way means divination, the serpent began to twist the things and the truth of God and began to get her engaged in judging God. In the beginning of all sin, the origin of all that is unloving is a judgment about God. When we embrace a picture about God that is less loving, less glorious, less gracious and, 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 and what he truly is. And when we see him as having lack, as we see God as having, God's not enough. God's not enough. God's not enough. So I've got to help God out. How many of you have been there? Okay, whatever. The rest of you are lying. All of us. (laughs) When we do this, what we're doing is we're living a life that's in Adam. We're living a life that is in our fallen nature and not in the life that is in Christ. Paul talked about this. He said, listen, you're in flesh. You're in your flesh. You're actually not in the things of the spirit in Romans so when our picture of God is distorted, here's the thing. We can no longer trust God to be the source of our life. It's impossible to live in God's love if we don't believe that God is love. How are you going to live in that? How are you going to trust that God has the very best for you when things get hard? And, and, and you're like, okay, when everything's great, Man, I'm there. I'm trusting God. But when things begin to get hard or, or things aren't happening as quickly as we want them to or we get betrayed or our, our health fails, are, are we going to trust God in that moment? Or are we going to say, hold on, obviously God needs a little of my help, you know. Or, 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 I'm going to start judging my situation. I'm going to, more than that, I'm going to start judging God for not coming through the way that, it, that he should. So we begin to see God in, in the ways that he's lacking. God's not enough. When our picture of God is distorted, this in turn leads us to sinful and idolatrous behavior. And so we begin to create gods for ourselves in the earth to fill the void of not believing that God is enough. Are y'all with me? All right, as we talked about last week, we've crea- we have been created with a non negotiable need for love, for worth, for significance. And for companionship. We have been created. God created us for himself that we would be his kids. We were created in his image. We were not created to become gods. We are made in the image of God and we have Christ that is on the inside of us. But we were never intended to be God and begin to judge like God is allowed to judge. And so... So that's what happened with Eve. She went past the, the, the boundary of where she was supposed to be living, and she began to become judge. And I'll get into that in a minute. If the deceiving accuser is successful in distorting your image of who God is and our mental picture of who God is, and if we really believe that God is not able to give us everything we need to fulfill those four things that I said, if God is not able to give me the significance that I was created to have, the love that I was created to have, all of these things that, that, that make me alive, if God is not able to do that, then what you're doing is you're saying that God is not enough. And, I, and you will have to look elsewhere to begin to get the life of abundance that you so desire. We might say that under the power of judgment about God, we have this need-based homing device in each one of us. Because we were created for these things, therefore we will search these things out. And our primary place of searching these things out should be God, should be the Father of lights. It should be the one and only one who can fill us to overflowing but if but but if we have judged God what happens is it cuts us off it and and I, like I talked about last week whenever we go to judge anyone it's going to cut me off from you there's going to like a like a like a wall is going to come down and it's going to separate me in love from you and this need-based homing device that was intended to drive us to God it will now if you've judged God drive you to fill that God-shaped vacuum in our hearts with other things. And like a starving man that is imprisoned in a dungeon, you will begin to think, wow, that, that bug looks really appetizing. Or I could eat that maggot. Or I could begin to devour things that, that aren't good, but yet I'm so hungry I will satisfy and try to satisfy myself with things of the earth that I know won't truly nourish me. It's like eating fast food. That's a great example, right? You eat, you know, it, all this junk. And you're like, wow, I'm eating junk, I'm eating junk, I'm eating sugar. Oh, this is so amazing. This tastes so good. And then you begin to taste, you begin to train your body to crave that. And, oh, man, I need more of that, I need more of that. And then you try to eat a vegetable, and you're like, ew, gross, that's horrible. You know, back over here, I just need some more of that, you know, deep fried whatever, you know. And then you wonder why your brain's not working. Your body's falling apart. You know, you have no energy. You're like, I'm so tired. All I want to do is sleep. And, you know, I mean, guys, I'm telling you, what we're doing is we're feeding ourselves from the poisonous things of the earth. And we're losing our appetite for the very thing that can fulfill us and give us everything that we need for life and godliness. So, When Eve was in the garden, here's what, when she believed the serpent, there were three things that happened. Number one, when the serpent began to talk, number one, it says that she saw her eyes, she saw that the tree was good for food. Number two, that it was a delight to the eyes. Number three, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. So she saw that if she ate this, that she could then be God. She could then take the place of judging good and evil. And that then she would be wise. But, you know, there's only one place where wisdom comes from. So if, if Eve had been viewing it accurately then this tree would never have been appealing to her. If she had remained yielded to God rather than believing the serpent's accusation about God, the prospect of disobeying God and eating from the forbidden tree of going beyond the no tra- trespassing zone would have never tem- it would have been a temptation for her. She would have remained in that place in covenant, in communion, in relationship with God. The accuser said about God, number one, God is lying. And number two, God is withholding something from you. Have you ever talked to somebody who's not a believer? They don't want to be a believer because they feel like if they become one, that they're going to lose what they have. And it's like, okay, you got to lose your life. And let me tell you what, you're going to gain so much more. But they don't understand about that exchange. See, if she had viewed this tree with a full soul, listen to me. If she had viewed this tree with a, with a full soul rather than a hungry one, she wouldn't have seen it as good for food. How many of you have gone to an amazing meal? And you kind of ate a little before, and so you're not really hungry. And so all of a sudden, what is this most delicious meal, all of a sudden, you're not even hungry for it. You're like, I can't really eat because I ate a little before, and and I'm not hungry, right? And so she was... This became a delight for her eyes, and she, des- it des- she desired it all of the sudden because she was lacking. She, was- she wasn't full. She wasn't full, so therefore she uh, desired to eat. Um, Eve believed the lie that God was not enough from the serpent. She judged him as withholding from her. And what immediately happened when she ate from the tree? What immediately happened? She saw her own lack. She saw her own nakedness. Okay, so what happens is when you judge God and say, God's not enough, all of the sudden you're going to say, wait a minute, I'm not enough. And then you're going to look at everybody in your life and you're going to begin to see them for everything that they lack. God is lacking, therefore I am lacking, therefore you are lacking. And your eyes, see, it gave her the eyes that were earthly wisdom, and she began to see with a critical eye. This is the glass that's half empty, and I'm going to see everyone with a glass half empty. I'm going to see God from a glass half empty. I'm going to see myself and everything that I'm not, and I'm going to hate myself because of that. And then I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to see everybody in my life that same way because that judgment has an afterlife. It has an aftertaste, and it just keeps having a life within us that goes on and on and on. So how, do we, how does this life of living in Adam, what does this look like? The lie about God that leads to emptiness, which in turn leads to the illusion that the world is a viable source of food for our soul. That the world is a viable source of food for your soul. The eyes that we see aspects of the world as a desirable source of life are the eyes, of the mindset of the flesh. And in our fallen state, we no longer see God as a source of life for us. We Because we, we, we've... Filled ourselves with the knowledge, with the fruit from the, the, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We filled our belly so full that we don't desire or think we have no need of the tree of life. And so, therefore, we're constantly at battle within ourselves. And our lives are always filled with drama and battle. War. We are at war all the time. And see, if the enemy can keep you in a constant state of drama, or a constant state of battling, battling against God, battling against yourself, I'm not good enough, I have to be more, why am I not more? I'm navel-gazing, I'm I'm always, um, this self-hatred is eating me alive. And then battling other people. We go around and we're judging, 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 judging. You're right, you're wrong, you're right, you're wrong. It's good, it's evil, it's good, it's evil. If God, if the enemy can get us in that, we will never get to the place that God has for us because we will be so hindered and burdened down with the things of life. And all of those things that we're doing are coming back on us. Everything that we're putting out is coming back on us. Greg Boyd said in repenting of religion, we live life hungry, seeking what we judge to be good for us, avoiding what we judge to be evil for us, always falsely believing that if we just had more of the good and less of the evil, we would become full. The hunger our disunity with God creates makes people and things in our environment seem like viable food for the soul. Hence, the world becomes a stage filled with surrogate gods and idols that look appealing and our lives become a perpetual quest to get life from them. See this to me reminds me of the condition of the church. Not the well the world looks that way because they don't know Christ. But I'm just looking at things going okay. Okay, wait. Obviously this isn't working. Because the rate of pornography is exploding. Child pornography exploding. Adultery exploding, divorce exploding in the church, more or less in the world, you know this gender confusion and the, and homosexuality I mean, it's just like and it's getting worse, not better, and we've got these mega churches filled with people, but yet. This sin is exploding. And I'm like, God, if you don't do something, we are, we are going to be taken under by this. And he's like, yeah, that's why I have you. <laughs> but truly, truly, we have to get this. And I'm crying out going, God, we need a revival. We, you have got to hit us Because it's going to take a full-out outpouring of your spirit in order to sweep and clean this land, and give us an opportunity to learn how to eat of this other tree. The natural man is in effect lowered. Um, It's something. uh, This is really an important point. Our judgment about God uh, helps us or or leads us to living in Adam out of the emptiness that we are forever trying to fill. The fall or the disunion that we have with God, the prayerlessness, the lack of reading the word, these kind of uh, uh, disciplines of the faith um, translate positions a life of abundance and celebration into a life of hunger and desperation, the natural man is in effect lowered to the level of the animal kingdom and begins to eat anything that is put before him. There's a void. I'm feeling a void. So what am I going to do to fill that void? I'm going to go eat poison and fill my belly with anything that I can find. And let me tell you what, it doesn't start off, you're like, I'm just going to take a nibble. And then before you know it, the nibble begins to create an appetite for more, more poison, more poison, more poison. Our lives become lives of assessing good and evil based on our idolatrous reasoning based on our self-serving motivations of how, of how can I judge this in order to make myself appear wise? Or how can I judge this to help keep me from pain? Or how can I judge this so that my heart and my empty soul will get filled with at least something. So, living in Christ. God intends us to live in Christ out of the fullness that we freely received from him. Every futile, idolatrous, hunger-driven quest presupposes a, p- a false view of reality. It is a lie about, number one, what, w- what is real. Number two, what life is ultimately about. Number three, who we are. And number four, what constitutes the good life. And so it's time for us to get real about these things. Because only if, if, we, if we will let God set the standard for our lives, and if we'll let God answer these questions, what is real? What is life ultimately about for me? What? Uh, who am I? And what constitutes the good life for me? Because it says that God knew you before the beginning of time. That he planned and purposed something for your life. So therefore, he's the only one that gets to define it. And if we try to define these things on ourselves, we'll constantly be disappointing, disappointed and we'll judge God. And then we'll try to usurp God and take, uh, take the reins. Or as that... One song said, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. But instead you'd say, Jesus, move over, let me take the wheel. (laughs) I'm not singing it. (laughs) All right. Uncovering God. A true picture of God uh, is the foundation of everything that is really life-giving and that promotes love. That's the foundation of God. God's like, hey, I have an exchange for you, and that should be the message of the church. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't you trade up? Let's trade up. There's actually something better for us, you know? This is why the revelation of God in Jesus Christ is the absolute centerpiece of God's plan and thus the center of the biblical witness. If we're to grow in love, Christ must be the center focus of our thinking and our living. Meaning, in order to know God, you have to see Christ. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so he becomes the very witness of, of who the Father is and, and what love looks like. So Christ is the truth that dispels all lies. Now, remember I told you the snake, is it's, it, the serpent means divination. What happens with divination is that confusion comes in. It comes into your mind and you can't, you're like, I'm so confused, I don't know, is God, what's the truth? But when the truth comes from heaven to the earth, what happens? And that word truth in the Greek, it means not covered. There was a, uh, there's a a sociologist named R.D. Lang, and he said, um, that this word, this Greek word for truth is intimately linked with the word Logos. The truth of the Logos lies precisely in its being revealed in its nakedness. The truth becomes raw and undefiled. When the truth of heaven comes down, what happens is all of the things that you think about, that you desire. I truly grateful thank you are
1: you're my best friend, you're my best friend, like oil upon your feet, like wine Praise and like perfume. I lavish mine on you till every drop is gone. Oh, poor my
0: love. Jesus, we love you and we want to be with you where you are. We want a revival of mercy in our hearts, God. That we could live on the earth as Jesus Christ lived on the earth. And that we could come to the fullness of love with you and with ourselves and with others, God. We love you. We love you. Help us, God, as we leave this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We make a choice today, God, but we need help in our choice. Would you be with us as we made this decision, God? We repent and we, sh- we shift and change our mindsets, God, that we want all that you have. Help us, God, as we detox from being judged. We love you and we leave it here at the altar. Thank you. Yeah, I just hear the Holy Spirit saying that he's going to give you an awareness of when you're doing this. Like he's gonna show you, he's gonna show up and he's gonna be like, Okay, you're doing it. Okay, you're doing it. And he's gonna begin to talk to you as you begin to step out in it. He's a good, good leader and he's going to remind you of the commitment that you made because he's more invested in you eating of him than he is of you eating in the world. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for your leadership. We thank you for your love. We thank you, God, that you are our helper. When we don't know, God, when we just lay ourselves down and we we bow before you, God, I know that you hear us, and I thank you for it. I thank you, God, that you're a good, good father. So we bless you, God, and we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Just give him a thanks. Just give him a thank you, a big thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that we can trust you. We can trust you in all things, in all things. And that through you and in you, we will have the highest and the deepest and the widest experience of love in the earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, you're a good God.